The Feel Nuts. Episode 203. The one where we're unbound and let go. The Feel Nuts Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's Word. Hey, all you Theo Deadites out there. I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. And together we are... The Theonites! The beat you to it. You did. You totally did. <laughs> I, I figure it's not even worth trying to stay in sync anymore. It just no, doesn't... No, it's pointless. Doesn't it doesn't sync no matter what we do. That, yeah. That's right. So, uh, what, what, what did you call our listeners? <laughs> Theo Deadites. <laughs> Theo Deadites? Oh, that has like, nothing to do with what we're talking about today. <laughs> like, not well, the least. I was coming from dead people. I was like, you Theo, mm. dead people. But okay, then okay. it jumped in my brain, you know, because of Evil Dead. They were called Deadites. I don't know right. why. That stuck. There's a new movie know. coming out. Did you see that? <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> they won't let it go. Yeah. Evil Dead should have died at the the Army of Darkness. Bruce, how how old is Bruce Campbell now? He's kind of getting a little, 60, 65. He's get, yeah, he's getting a little old for long <laughs> in the tooth, as I say. It's pretty yeah. bad. They also made a Scream Six, which I want to go see so bad, and I have not gotten to see yet. But that's okay. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. you know I'm of that generation, that '90s generation, '98. I mean. It was the pinnacle of my high school years, and how, so how could you watch Scream whenever you were, when it came out? You were like a uh, a little kid. You couldn't get it was in the ni- theaters. Nineteen ninety eight. When Scream I was sixteen, came out? yeah. Oh, are you sure? I think I was. I think I thought it was before that. Maybe it was ninety six. Now I have to look this up, David. Why would you do that to me? <laughs> All right, we'll, well find out. Hey Siri. I- when did Scream come out? 1996. You're right. <laughs> so how old were you then? You were like, what? 14. 14? Yeah, 14. Yeah. Okay, but I can't say a whole lot because I saw The Exorcist when I was a kid. Like, I was like oh 9 or 10 when I saw that movie. It messed me up. Did you have nightmares? <laughs> it was like, what were my parents thinking? Why? Why was that? Because you know, back then, controlling what we watched was a lot easier than it is now. Oh, because yeah. you could only watch what was on, you know, TV, like right. broadcast TV. Right. And of course, it was edited for broadcast. But still, nah, it Gosh. was really messed up. It messed I me bet. up. I bet. <laughs> like, <laughs> Dude, I watched Pet Cemetery when I was like twelve and had nightmares for like two weeks of that lady. Uh, coming out and going, it's all your fault. It's you know, oh, oh yeah, yeah, sister. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that messed me <laughs> up, man. 
Yeah, my parents never knew I watched those. Sorry, mom and dad. Sorry. <laughs> my mom, my mom, one time found a uh, Anne Rice novel, Interview with the Vampire, under my bed, and uh, she came at me and like, and she, she's just like, "You're bringing the, the devil, devil into our house." <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh. sorry, mom. Well, I was stupid enough <laughs> that when VCRs first kind of came out, and, and I had my friends like taping because I didn't have HBO. And, but my friends at school did, and I'd be like, okay, tape that for me. Yeah, set it to record. And then they'd give me the tape. And, uh, I I put in Children of the Corn one time with my family, with my parents in the room. Like, what was I thinking? The opening scene is all these kids killing their parents. Guys, like, bloody. And and they were like, what are you watching? It's like, <laughs> spit that tape out as quick as possible. Oh, yeah. How do Cleanse we get on this the topic? House. I don't know. <laughs> oh, Deadites. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. I got yeah, the whole thing. Again, that has nothing to do with our topic. How you doing, David? Doing all right? Uh, yeah, I'm doing well enough. Good, can't, com- can't complain, man. Here we are, um, in, you know, well into Lent. We're, uh, we're coming up against uh, Passion Week. This next yeah. week. So, um, are you going to do another Passion Week uh, writing like you did? Uh, you really no, should. I, I ought to read that one again, I guess. Yeah. I, I, I like it. It's really it's fun. It's amazing. It was beautiful. You ought to do that. Yeah. You ought to do that. Well, do I'm, something I'm, with it. I'm looking forward to it. I'm also looking forward to the Easter retreat, getting to come down and spend mm-hmm. time with uh, my way family and. And uh, and get to study scripture and worship with y'all and just yeah, out. it's gonna be good. Our, yeah, Easter tide. We're gonna be celebrating Easter tide this year. Easter tide. We're, we're going a little dark for yeah. uh, for ramping up to Easter uh, this Wednesday. We're gonna do the Passion of the Christ right at the church, and we're gonna do like communion and just make it a big like remembrance of his suffering and all that stuff. So. That's awesome. That'll be neat, man. I, uh, it's I a hard movie to watch. You can't watch that movie very many times. Like it's, it's yeah. tough. I remember the first time I watched it, I was all alone in South Carolina in a movie theater, mm-hmm. bawling my eyes out. Like me too. Killing I, me. Like full on heaving cries. Yeah. Like I, I, that was the first time I think I'd ever watched a movie and it affected me that way. Like I was sitting, I remember when the credits started rolling, I couldn't get out of the theater seat. I was bent over crying like, Oh my goodness. Yeah. So powerful. But I do think it's valuable. Like it's, it's hard to watch, but it's, it's so good because we just kind of, I think a lot of times in our, in, in our, in our, uh, complacency you know we we yeah jesus died for your sins like how many times have we said jesus died for your sins or whatever but to see it and portrayed yeah. quite that way it's just it adds such levity i mean not levity brevity <laughs> not even, <laughs> wait it adds wait. weight the opposite of levity yeah <laughs> gravity maybe it it, it it just adds so much more to it. So yeah, I agree, man. 
Well, so, I'm excited for Easter to worship, but it's going to be good. But I'm also excited for this topic because yeah. it kind of fits in with it. Especially since we're talking about resurrection. Yeah. Let's yes. talk about resurrection. You want to get into it? Let's do it right now. Okay. So uh, this topic comes by way of um, of y'all asking me to come and lead the Easter Tide Easter Retreat, um, and I've, I've been praying and focusing on the idea of resurrection. And of course, this is probably one of the most famous stories of resurrection in Scripture. Um, the second, probably the second most well known story of resurrection besides Jesus's resurrection. Um, in modern culture. And, uh, and so a little disclaimer, I'm not, uh, I'm not teaching this exact thing at Easter tide because I don't want to give everything away. And also, uh, I'm not there with my study yet, but, um, I'm walking through John chapter 11, the story of Lazarus. Mm -hmm. And I pulled out some very interesting little insights and tidbits. So I figured tonight what we could do is do a good old fashioned walking through John chapter 11 and pulling out some of the, the things that I've seen so far and, and discussing them um, as it pertains to resurrection, as it pertains to the character and nature of who Jesus is and mm -hmm. what he brings to us um, and the image, the picture of Lazarus as us. Um, mm. in this, in this whole story. So that's, I, love, I, I love this story. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. It's a, it's an amazing story. So let's, uh, let's just jump right into it and we're going to go, uh, John chapter 11 and we're going to start <clears throat> in verses one and we're going to read verses one through four real quick. Okay. Uh, I am reading out of the NET today. Net. Yes. Now, a certain man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village where Mary and her sister Martha lived. Now, it was Mary who anointed the Lord with perfumed oil and wiped his feet dry with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, look, the one you love is sick. And when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness will not lead to death, but to God's glory so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. All right, so right away we're introduced to the subject of the story, which is Lazarus. Um, Jesus uh, is friends with Mary and Martha. Um, this is the same Mary and Martha from, uh, I think it's Mark. No, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 10. The story of Mary and Martha and Jesus, right, mm -hmm. where Martha's bustling around. Uh, cleaning and preparing while Mary is sitting down at the foot of Jesus getting taught. And I've always thought that Martha gets a horrible rap. Um, no woman wants to be a Martha. Everybody wants to be a Mary. Uh, uh, because, you know, Jesus points out, says, Martha, Martha, you know, you've chosen the lesser of the things. Mary's chosen the most mo more, most important thing, which is to listen to me of what right. I have to say, Right. But we see this character played out of Martha being a, a woman of action and Mary being a woman of contemplation and a woman of, of listening, right? An emotional woman in a lot of ways. <clears throat> and so 
Um, we're introduced to those characters. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus live together in this little city called, or little town called Bethany, which is uh, on the slope of the Mount of Olives, two miles away from Jerusalem. Uh, it's really close to Jerusalem. It's like a neighborhood yep, city. Right over the hill. Right over the hill. You've been there, haven't you? To I don't think I've been to Bethany. I've been okay. to the Mount of Olives. All right. Well, they have, I mean, the modern city's uh, still there. Um, but anyways, it's very interesting. So, um, Lazarus, a person that Jesus loves, according to what this says, is sick. And so messengers are sent by Mary and Martha to go and tell Jesus. <clears throat> if you notice, Jesus is at least a day away from Mary and Martha and Lazarus and Bethany. And the reason he's a day away is because if you look in the previous chapter, um, he's gotten into some confrontation in Jerusalem with leaders, uh, and he's made the, the statement that he and the Father are one. Uh, he's made the statement that he is God, and he's been uh, close to being attacked by these men who wanted mm. to kill him because of blasphemy, right? So he, he runs away, he's out, a mile, or not a mile, but at least a day away. Um, and a lot of people question, where is he? Um, and if you look in the previous chapter, you read that Jesus and his disciples went to the place across the Jordan River where John had been active baptizing, right? So there's this really interesting thought. And a lot of people, a lot of scholars... Uh, modern scholars nowadays will point to this and say this can't be accurate because John was noted for baptizing in and around Bethany. Mm-hmm. He was right, and mm-hmm. so therefore this this can't be accurate. John isn't the one, or the the apostle John isn't <laughs> the one that wrote this, and it's not accurate. And they they totally misjudge their places. How could Jesus be a day away from Bethany and be in the place where John was baptizing? Except for the fact that we have historical notes that show us um, Theodosius I, um, which was an emperor, in AD 350 pinpointed and planted a church on the spot where it was um, mostly accepted where Jesus was baptized. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever been there? I know you went around. Uh, we went to a traditional bapti- uh, baptism site, but it was yeah. right south of Galilee. Okay, well, that's not that's not where Theodosius planted right. this. In fact, most scholars would agree today that fifteen miles north of the Dead Sea. Okay, so I guess it's Sea of Galilee is quite a ways higher. But 15 miles north of the Dead Sea, on the other side of the Dead Sea, on the other side of the Jordan River, um, in, um, I want to say Perea, or the region of Perea. Do you know that name? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's the region on the other side of the Jordan River, um, north of the Dead Sea, 15 miles away from Bethany, um, was the site that most scholars pinpoint as where Jesus was baptized. Okay. Okay. So all that to say, that's most likely where Jesus was. And it actually makes sense 
when you do the calculations of how many days Lazarus was dead and how long it took them to to get word and then then to get back to to Bethany. So they sent, he was sick to the point of death whenever they sent the messengers. Mm-hmm. It took a day to get to Jesus. Lazarus died on that day, probably around the time when the messengers were telling Jesus. <clears throat> and then we're going to find out Jesus waits two more days before he walks a day um, to Bethany to see Mary and Martha and to raise Lazarus, right? So that's mm-hmm. four days, which makes total sense. So all those skeptic scholars you know they just can't read correctly i guess i don't know <laughs> anyways that's neither here nor there but that's some very interesting backstory to where we're going with this to me okay. anyways i think it's pretty interesting so all right so mary and martha send messengers to jesus and they say lord you need to come the disciple whom you love is sick right ill <clears throat> and Jesus simply answers the messengers, the illness does not lead to death. This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. The first part that strikes me is, does not lead to death. Mm-hmm. I think for all believers, all of our illnesses don't lead to death. They lead through death, but they don't lead to death. Death is the passageway, right? And so you can take that as that's what Jesus is saying, although Jesus obviously knows what's going to happen, and he has a plan. So God has a whole purpose in the, the, the sickness of Lazarus, and his purpose is to be glorified. Um, It's for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And also, the glory of God, the Father, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. This is another allusion to Jesus being God. Do you see that? Mm -hmm. Pretty cool. So, all right, well, let's keep reading. Um, Let's do verses 5 and 6. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, uh, I'm reading from the notes from the NET translation, yeah. and uh, they're talking about Jesus' statement here, and it says that, uh, I, like, I like what they had to say, they were talking about how John's writings have all these double, mean, double meanings abounding all throughout it, and it says, even though death would not be the end of the matter, Lazarus is going to die, and ultimately, his death and resurrection would lead to the death and the resurrection of the Son of God. Right. So there's so like there's, all this happening. There's a ton of purpose behind Lazarus's illness and his death. God has a plan. And his here. resurrection, yep. Right. And okay. so that's what you need to look at. But okay, so verse starting five. in verse 5 and go 5 and 6, just those two verses. Okay. So now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he remained in the place where he was for two more days. Okay. This is very interesting to me because I grew up with an NIV Bible. Um, And I don't know, you grew up with the King James, I know, right? 
Mm-hmm. Like that was, yeah. But for me, the NIV, I had the NIV Teen Study Bible, which is every good little Southern Baptist boy had. Um, <laughs> and so every time we pulled out that uh, this this chapter, what I would read is, Now Jesus loved Mary and her sister and Lazarus, yet... When he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two late days longer in the place where he was. In the 1987 translation, all the way through, and I don't know if they've changed it yet, but they they translated that uh, word "so" at the very beginning of verse six mm-hmm. as "yet," and the word is "own." That's the Greek word. Nowhere else in Scripture is it translated "yet." Everywhere else it's translated either so or therefore. Um, but it's never translated yet. So mm-hmm. why do the NIV translators tra- mistranslate that, in my opinion, yet? Any any ideas? What do you think? Um, because they're assuming that his love for them would not be the reason that he waited. Right. Which is how it reads whenever you put so or therefore into the passage. It reads like Jesus loved them, therefore he remained in the place where he was. Right. Which to us as humans makes no sense whatsoever. Mm -hmm. You get news that your best friend is sick. The first thing you want to do and you're going to try to do is go see them, right? And it's mm-hmm. not just sick. I mean, this is sick to the point of death. You know they don't have long. I remember getting the call that my my granddad was in the hospital in Oklahoma, in Tulsa, and I was in Texas, and we didn't even have a car that would get us to Tulsa at that time. We had to borrow uh, the Neal's car in order to get us to Tulsa because our mm-hmm. car was broken down. But I was going to do anything I could to go see my grandfather because I knew that every second counted and I knew that he was going to die. And so I needed to get there and see him one last time before he passed, right? Mm-hmm. And that's 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 the normal way of doing things. It makes right. sense to us as yep. humans. Um, so why in the world? And I think that's what the NIV translators were thinking. Um, and most people think this verse doesn't seem to click. It doesn't seem to make sense. Why would John include and because or so or therefore um, after he loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus very much? Why would he make the statement and because of this, he chose to remain where he was for two days? <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of scholars have thought, well, the reason he's remaining where he is for two days is because he knows the heat's on down there in Bethany in Jerusalem. If he goes goes back, he's going to get killed. Or, you know, he remained there. Even though it hurt him, he he stayed there for two more days because he wasn't sure if he was going to get killed or not, which doesn't make sense Mm -hmm. as to the nature of who Jesus is anyway. And we're going to see that played out in the next couple verses. But... The point of this verse is so crystal clear. The reason why Jesus stayed in the place where he was 
for two days longer was because he loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. So how do we justify that? And the answer is, go ahead. <laughs> it's funny when we're on video because you can see like my anticipation. Like, <laughs> Right, I love it. <laughs> um, so... I think the, the, the reason why it was, is a couple of things. One, because he loved them and he knew he was going to wait. Like, there's a plan. He's going to wait for Lazarus to die. He's already decided that. Mm-hmm. But because he loves them, he doesn't want to be there when this event happens. And you'll see, because this is when we get down later, we see his his response to their grief, right, is... Major, And I think that the reason why he didn't leave was, A, he wanted to make sure Lazarus died. But why two days? I think it was because he couldn't stand to be there in their presence and go through it with them. Or it would, it would, it, I think he loved them that much that he was, he wanted to, to, it to be impactful, but he wanted to be composed and have all his, uh, <laughs> all his grieving kind of in check. Uh, I don't know. I'm guessing. Okay. That's a, those are, those are good guesses. Uh, one of them is correct. I don't think the other one is correct. And okay. so here's, he, here's, here's my main reason. I think number one, the, the point of Lazarus's death and resurrection is to show the glory of God. That's, that's it. And, yeah. and loving them means showing them, his glory, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes, and, and I take this for me personally, when I'm struggling or when I'm going some, through something, it doesn't mean that, that God doesn't love me. He's going to show me his glory and, and, and how he either fixes the situation or removes me from the situation, if yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Um, but there's another very interesting reason, I believe. Notice I said it, from the math, it makes sense that G- that that Lazarus had already died by the time those messengers had gotten there, or he was close to death. He was mm-hmm. a day away, so it wouldn't have mattered if he would have went right then when he got the message and left. By the time he got there, Lazarus would have already still been dead. Gotcha. I think I think this number four is absolutely important. Mm-hmm. Four days he's been dead. And we're going to see that in, in just a second. don't want to get my hand away too early <laughs> on that. But that's a very interesting thing. Jesus is going to show his glory, but he's going to show it in a way that blows their ever-loving minds. The, mm-hmm. the last time that he raised somebody from the dead, we have the account of the girl, right? Yeah. Um, Jerusalem. Yeah, Talitha Kumi, Jairus' daughter. How soon did he raise her from the dead? Do you it remember? Was pretty, it was pretty immediate. It, it, was, it was. She yeah. died while he was uh, en route. En route. So, I mean, it was the same day. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Or you know, we can suffice to say it was probably the same day. G- uh, Jesus is going to raise Lazarus four days mm-hmm. after he's been dead. And Which, by the way, Jesus. Which leaves no doubt because um, at least with the, the Jesus played it off like the girl never died. 
And part of this right. was because he didn't want the exposure of the miracle to go, yeah. you know, all over yeah. the place. In fact, he told everybody, keep it quiet. And, um, and only the people in that room uh, would know about that miracle. And right. they would just assume, oh, we just thought she was dead, apparently. It was that right. soon. Uh, whereas yeah. this is going to be more apparent. The guy's been in the tomb for four days. So there's no getting around that. That's not a, that's not a delayed exactly. resuscitation. So. No. All right. So let's read verses 7 through 10. Okay. Uh, let's see. Where are we? Then, after this, he said to his disciples, Let us go to Judea again. And the disciples replied, Rabbi, the Jewish leaders were just now trying to stone you to death. Are you going to go there again? And Jesus replied, Are there not twelve hours in a day? If anyone walks around the daytime, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks around at night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. Uh, where did you want me to go to? That's it. That's okay. uh, Go ahead and read verse 10 again. But if anyone walks around at night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Okay. So um, this is a cryptic answer that Jesus gives the disciples. Mm -hmm. Extremely cryptic. They ask him a straightforward question. Hey, man, shouldn't we not go to Judea (laughs) because, you know, uh, there's people there that are going to kill you, right? Yeah, yeah. And Jesus answers with uh, with this parable. Right, there's 12 hours in a day, and we yeah. walk during the day. The night is going to come, and then we'll stumble. That's what he says. Mm-hmm. And so there have been. I mean, I've I've looked at several different commentaries this week on this this little parable, and they there's so many different answers to why Jesus answered this way or why. So I'm just going to give you what I think, and I think this is the the closest thing I can understand. Um, A lot of people say, well, you know, Jesus is the light because John over and over again calls Jesus the light. And that is absolutely right. He does. Um, But I'm thinking of this from a Jewish term, um, the 12 hours. I'm taking this idea of the 12 hour day, right? right? So for Jewish people, you worked during daytime, you went, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., basically. Right. And you went home at night, and, and that was it. So Jesus is doing his ministry during his daytime. Mm-hmm. Soon it's going to be night, and that's when that's when he's going to stumble, or that's when he's going to be crucified. And the idea here is God is, he knows God has given him this ministry to do, and as long as it's daytime, as long as God has given him this ministry, he's going to keep fulfilling what God God the Father has called him to do. There's mm-hmm. going to be a point where he's going to die. And because of that, he doesn't have to fear going back to Judea because he knows it's not right here that's going to kill him. It's the result of what happens right here, Part yeah. partly the yeah. result of what happens right here. <clears throat> but this is the daytime still. So we're going to head back. We're going to keep on doing what God's called us to do, and then the night will come. Yeah, I think there's something else implied here, too. So so they're asking, basically what they're saying is we need to be sneaky. We need to be be under the cover of darkness. Like, that's what they're saying. If you're out in the open, you're going to get yourself killed. We need to be more discreet than this. 
And I think he's he's also saying you're effectual in the light. You you if you do things in the light, it has a huge impact. If you do things in the dark, you're liable to mess mess up and you're going to you're going to stumble and if the light was really in you, you wouldn't be afraid to be doing right. what you're doing in the light as well. So it's like yeah. casting out fear of what yeah. harm is going to come to you in lieu of what the result is going to lead yeah. to. And that's his biggest thing is casting out fear. That's the idea mm-hmm. he's, he's getting, giving over to his disciples. You don't have to be afraid of me getting stoned to death. I mean, I think they should have remembered also and gone back a couple of instances where over and over again, they tried to put him to death and nothing happened. Right. And so, you know, why would they be worried now? Okay. So, um, verses, uh, let's go to verse. Yeah. 11 through 16. Okay. After he said this, he added, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But I am going there to awaken him. Then the disciples replied, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Now, Jesus had been talking about his death, but they thought he had been talking about real sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And I am glad for your (laughs) sake that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called Didymus, the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go too, so that we may die with him. (laughs) (laughs) I I just, I love this interchange, right? Jesus says, (laughs) Lazarus has fallen asleep. And he's using, it's not like this is an unknown idiom, by the way, for death. Uh, they've, They've used sleeps with his fathers. I mean, it's a, it's a the long dirt nap, right? This is yeah, yeah. That's the idea he's giving here, and his disciples just don't get it. And <laughs> I, I think partly either they don't get it, or they're so nervous and going that they're trying to encourage Jesus not to go at this point, right? Mm-hmm. So, oh, okay, it's it's good that he's falling asleep, Jesus. You know, he'll, he'll recover if he sleeps, and, and Jesus plainly out and out just says he did, like he's dead. <laughs> Come yeah. on, guys. Let me speak plainly so you understand what I'm saying. Plainly here, you morons. He's dead. And this is uh this this next sentence correlates to the verse six sentence. And it's I'm glad. I am glad for your sake mm-hmm. that Lazarus is dead. It seems very harsh, like a very harsh statement to make mm-hmm. on the outside. Right? I'm glad my friend's dead for your sake. But the the reason is, and and again, I think this all correlates with the, this idea of love to me. Because in verse yeah. 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Jesus loves his disciples. Mm-hmm. And his idea of love is showing them himself. Yes. That's his idea of love here. And it's so much greater than any human temporal mm-hmm. concept. Mm-hmm. It's it's so far above because when they truly grasp the concept of who Jesus is and who God is and what he brings, 
Mm-hmm. That's real love. And, and seeing his glory is love. So I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there. I'm glad. Um, th- so, so that, that you, you may believe. Mm-hmm. So and then, I, go ahead. I, I want to, I want to reflect back to one of the reasons that I've mentioned earlier of why Jesus waited. Um, I, I think that, Maybe I'm just reading too much of Jesus's human side into this, but I think part of what he's saying here is, I don't know if I could have let him die. Like, I love these people so much. I may have, I may have healed them. I may have done exactly what they asked me to do. And we wouldn't get to what's going to be the big reveal. Like we wouldn't get to a place where you've seen me heal tons of people, right? So that impact would have been, it's great, but it still would have been marginal compared to resurrecting a guy who's been dead for four days. So I, I kind of think that that's also why he's kind of leaning in here and saying, uh, I'm glad that he's, he's dead because now I don't have to try and, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have to try and deal with that. I can deal with now the only thing that can happen, which is resurrection. I yeah I can I can see that I don't know I, for me I just think that Jesus understands the entire situation um, I, I do he definitely has human emotions and we're going to look at those in a second um, but his biggest thing here is he desires for his followers to see his glory throughout mm-hmm. this entire thing that's the whole thing um, I love the the comment in verse sixteen. Thomas, doubting Thomas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, let's go also that we may die with him. And who is the him here, by the way? Is it Jesus or Lazarus? You ever think of that? Uh, yeah, that's interesting. I think he was talking about Jesus because he probably assumed, hey, this is a dangerous area we're going into. And <laughs> Well, it comes right after Jesus says, Lazarus is dead. And mm-hmm. I, I get this, like, I don't know, it's a dumb thing, but I always play these stories out in my head. And I get this, like, picture of t- Thomas just being snarky at this point. Well, then we'll die too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's, in, in other words, there's no hope for him, Jesus. So why in the world <laughs> are we going to go there? I guess we're just going to go die too, right? Yeah. <laughs> Could the, be. Uh, I don't know, but that's just my, my well, image of that. You know, one thing that is that uh, the NET guys pointed out here is that um, if you it, what made what made Thomas so popular, right? Why do we why do we know Thomas? Doubting doubting Thomas, right? So why was he? So think about the doubting Thomas thing. He was a pessimist, always. Like that was, that was, that's why he was like, I don't believe that. Like that's a pessimistic (laughs) statement, right? Right. We look at it as doubt, but it's also pessimism because he's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's, that's not going to happen. Come on. And so he, maybe he's just being pessimistic here and being like, well, we're all going to die if we go back into, you know, so I, I can totally identify with Thomas so much there. I love the human, um, portrayal of, mm-hmm. of these characters of, of of who these people were you know my wife calls me a pessimist i say i'm a realist 
I'm not a pessimist. And I think Thomas, he's a realist. He wants to see proof, right? He's, he's like, I'll believe it when I see it. This, you know, this isn't real, mm-hmm. but whatever. Uh, so the one thing just is kind of a little bit off topic here, but I find it interesting because I don't think the Holy Spirit gives us things in the passage by, you know, happenstance or something that's not important. Sure. And a lot of times these guys all have the same names. And so it's really, that's why we have Judas uh, Iscariot, which Iscariot's not his last name. It's a description of his vocation. Right. That's what, and you know, you've got Simon the Zealot. The zealot. <laughs> like this is how they differentiated between who's, who's talking here. But I mean, Thomas, there were four Marys at the resurrection. Oh yeah. Which is really hard. <laughs> so many Marys. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, but there's only one Thomas that I know of. Right? Is there more Thomases? I don't think there's more Thomases. Uh, Thomas Thaddeus? Thaddeus? No. Thaddeus? But what's know. interesting is... Yeah, it's it's Thomas. That's that's it. They they give us this, and I'll, I think that this happens more than once, where Thomas is called Didymus. Didymus, the twin. Well, well, Didymus isn't a name. It's a Greek term that means the twin. Right. And I've often been, um, like, curious... Who's he a twin of? Like, he's the only Thomas, like, who is he a twin of? I've heard random things that maybe he looked like Jesus and people, like, jokingly called him Jesus' twin. Jesus' twin. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway. Well, that thought, could have been for any of the 12, right? <laughs> that's probably true. Uh, but anyway, food for thought. So if anyone has any theories on why Thomas was uh, the twin, uh, let let us know. Yeah, that's interesting. All right, so moving on to uh, the meat of the story. Mm. Um, let's go um, starting in verse 17. Um, yeah, just read verse 17 real quick. When Jesus arrived... He found that Lazarus had been in the tomb four days already. Okay, so this is the second statement of this four days. You're going to find one more statement of four days, okay? Um, And that's whenever Martha tells Jesus um, he stinks. He's been in the tomb for four days. So Mm -hmm. I just want you to keep that in mind. Okay, now read 18 through 27. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. So many of the Jewish people of that region had come to Martha and Mary to console them over the loss of their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God... God will grant you. Mm-mm. Do you want to go further? Keep going. Okay. Jesus replied, Your brother will come back to life again. And Martha said, I know that he will come back to life again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even if he dies. And the one who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She replied, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, 
who comes into this world. Okay. So this is the first encounter Jesus has with the family. It's Martha. Martha is always doing. So what does she do? She she does. She mm-hmm. runs out and she meets Jesus. He's outside uh, um, the the place a, a little while out, and and she meets him on the road. Um, and it's almost like she makes this accusation: "Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died." And then I, in my mind, I think of her. I think she backtracks like she's she comes out with an accusation this is just human emotion playing out right Mm -hmm. she comes out with an accusation and then she backtracks and she says but but even now i know that whatever you ask from god god will give you um and this is why i say that martha gets such a bad rap uh most of the time i think in this situation out of the two sisters Martha definitely dis- demonstrates her faith, like hardcore here, mm-hmm. right? Mary's yeah. a lot more emotional, but Martha demonstrates that faith. She says, "Even now, I believe that whatever you ask from God, God will give it to you." Um, so there's a tinge of hope in the misery, right? Mm-hmm. And. <clears throat> I don't know what she's expecting here. She might be expecting that Jesus is going to raise Lazarus. Um, She might not. She might just be kind of, like I said, backtracking from her initial statement to Jesus, right? But whatever it is, she's she's demonstrating some type of faith. And Jesus' um, reply to her, your brother will rise again, um... Is a is 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 a factual statement. Jesus is giving her the fact of what's going to happen. Okay, um, and he literally means it. In just a few moments, your brother is going to rise again. I believe he literally means that. Right. Um, and Martha takes it to <laughs> to mean. Well, Jesus, I know that every everybody is going to rise again, and you know, in in the in the last day, she's she's a good Pharisee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she she believes in the resurrection, uh, like most of the first century uh, Jewish people did at this point, right? They believed in a physical body re- bodily resurrection based off of Daniel twelve and based mm-hmm. off of other prophecy. They Isaiah. believed in a Isaiah, they believed in a physical resurrection. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and Jesus doesn't correct her on that. He wants her to keep that in mind because that is the reality of what will happen. He, mm-hmm. doesn't, he doesn't say, no, that's not what I'm talking about, even though that's not what he's talking about. It is kind of what he's talking about because the reality is Lazarus is going to die again, right? Mm-hmm. Physically. He's yeah. going to end up in the grave again. But even then, it's not going to lead to death. It's yeah. going to lead to life. It's a passageway to life, to the to the second coming, the resurrection. Yeah. And I think there's there's something that's worth clarifying. And if I'm jumping the gun, just stop me. But okay. um, it, one of the things that I think is not directly stated, but I think is implied through the whole of Scripture, is that um, 
when you see, we talked about this a little bit when we talked about the, um, the second coming and the, the new life and you're not going to go to heaven and all that. (laughs) So if, uh, when when Jesus works a miracle, almost look at every one of them. He takes something that's there, and he does something natural to it. But he he either speeds it up, or he like the multiplication of of things. You know, he'll take something that is there, and he'll use a natural progression uh, to do the miracle. Oh, yeah water into wine, you know, wine has water in it. Water fed the grapes, grapes gave the wine. Like it is all part of the process. He just sped it up. Right. And so, um, what we're going to see here is even though it is resurrection, it is also a rebuilding of the tissue that's already there. All he's doing is reversing nature to bring life back into uh, Lazarus. Let's bear in mind that this is not what happens to Jesus. Right. When Jesus is resurrected, it's new creation, and he's the first fruits of that. So 100%. What, absolutely. So, so Lazarus is a picture of, the, of what is to come, but, he is, but it's not the same miracle. It's not the same type of thing. It is, right. uh, it is like you said, Lazarus is going to die again. Once you are raised in new creation, like Jesus was when he came forth from the grave, there's no dying. That's it. Right. Right. So, anyway. It's a, it's a shadow of things to come. It's a picture that Jesus is giving mm-hmm. everyone that's there and us today of what's going to happen with us. But it's going to be so much more, you know, prevalent on the, uh, on the last day. Um, and so Jesus's answer here, which is, um, I think the, the crux and the focal point of, of this entire story, Jesus answers, I am, um, which is a God statement. I am, uh, he's claiming to be God right here. This is the seventh one. This is the last sign and the seventh statement in John, I am the resurrection and the life. Mm. I am the resurrection. There is no other way that we can receive resurrection but through Jesus. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Um, so this statement, believe in me, is an interesting statement, and it's found all over um, the book of John. And the reason it's interesting is the word in. Um, everywhere else in Scripture, whenever he uses this word in, mm-hmm. E-I-S, ice, everywhere else in Scripture, it, it literally means into except for in John, in John three sixteen, for God to love the world. Um, for God to love the world. You can you quote, the, like, can quote the Oh passage. my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I can't. He gave his he, only, he gave begotten. his only begotten son that whoever believes in me, this is the same statement, right, believes right, in right. me, 
right? Uh, yet in John three eighteen, the same word is used, and it means in 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 the EIN, and it's into. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, why is that significant? He's literally intermingling this idea of resurrection and himself. Mm-hmm. Whoever believes into me, I'm taking them into my death, burial, and resurrection. Oh, Whoever crazy. believes mm-hmm. into me, right? Though he dies, like I'm going to die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes into me, yeah, right, shall never die. We are identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We we are integrated into Him. Mm. That's into very good. me. I yeah. love that. This is incredible. And then He simply asks her, "Do you believe this?" Do you truly believe this? And it's all focused. This whole thing is focused on belief and faith in Jesus. Right? Throughout the Mm -hmm. entire thing. The reason he's performing this work is so that they will believe into him. Right? Mm -hmm. He's giving them a picture. The disciples, Mary, Martha, Lazarus, and all the Jews that are coming to witness this event, which are a lot of them, he's going to give this picture so that they will believe into him for his glory, for God's glory in their resurrection. Really cool. (laughs) She simply answers, yes, I believe. And then she makes the statement that he is the Messiah, that you are the Messiah, the son of God who is coming into the world. And I noticed the coming into the world. You're going to come back and resurrect us, right? And that's her statement. That's where she stands. And that's why I love Martha. I mean, she may be a busybody. <laughs> and she may she may have some serious issues, right? And and Mary may have been the one that, you know, poured the, the, the stuff on Jesus' feet and wiped it with her. And she's great at worship. But Martha <laughs> truly is a believer, and she is like, I believe this. Mm-hmm. Even in the midst of the biggest pain of her life, losing her brother, she still says, yes, I believe that you are the Christ. Yeah. The Messiah. Love Martha's faith here. And I imagine that that hit Jesus deeply. Um, so let's keep going here. Verses 28 through 38. Yeah. Let's hear about Miss Mary. Yeah. And when she had said this, Martha went and called her sister Mary, saying privately, The teacher is here and is asking for you. So when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still in the place where Martha had come out to meet him. Then the people who were with Mary in the house consoling her saw her get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Then Jesus saw her weeping and the people who had come with her weeping. And he was intensely moved in spirit and greatly distressed. And he asked, where have you laid him? 
And they replied, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Thus the people who had come to mourn said, Look how much he loved him. But some of them said, This is the man who caused the blind man to see. Couldn't he have done something to keep Lazarus from dying? Hmm. All right, there's a lot going on here. First off, Mary, um, she gets news, she gets up, she goes to Jesus, and she makes the exact same accusation yeah. that Martha made, right? I still Almost love Mary. Word, word for word. <laughs> of course you do, right? It's emotional. <laughs> she's just, she's most, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Um, a key verse here, when Jesus saw her weeping, so Jesus looks at her, and then he looks at the Jews who had come with her also weeping. He looks out over the crowd that's gathered there, right? So Mary's there, Martha's there, the Jews are there. They're all weeping. They're all crying. And it says, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Um, and I've often heard pastors use this to point out, see, Jesus had emotions. He loves, he cares, he has concern. And that is true. I don't want to deny that. But I do want to talk about the statement deeply moved and greatly troubled here. Um, because the statement here isn't just, I'm so sad, Lazarus is dead. Yeah. That's not not what this statement is saying. The word deeply moved, imbri meomai, mm-hmm. um, is used other elsewhere in Scripture. In Matthew... Um, 9.30, it's used. Uh, let's see. In Mark 14.5, it's used. In Mark 1.43, it's used. Um, and every single other occurrence of this, it's not translated as deeply moved. Um, in Mark 9.30, it's translated as strictly warned. Mm-hmm. In Mark 14.5, it's translated as scolded. Yeah. In Mark one forty three it's translated as strictly charged. Um so there's definitely emotion playing out here, but it's not positive emotion, it's negative emotion. More yeah. akin to anger or frustration. I think Jesus is frustrated. Hmm. I really do. Um and so the question is He's frustrated in his spirit. And then the word greatly troubled is also used in Mark 12, 27 and in Mark 13, 21. It's, uh, it's used in, uh, the pool of Bethesda in chapter five. The word means stirred up. Right. Yeah. So, So when the angel was stirring, stirred up. But in Mark twelve twenty seven, uh, Jesus is it says um, greatly troubled or stirred up, and this is right after he's dealt with people who are unbelieving, and the same thing happens in Mark thirteen twenty one. This terminology stirred up happens right after Jesus is met with people who are either unbelieving or um, menacing or wrong in their in the reaction, mm. and it's no coincidence to me that this is 
right after verse 36. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? So there's a couple. I don't, I don't, I don't have the answer here. I would say that this is not a verse to point out to say that Jesus loved Lazarus. Mm-hmm. Or Jesus loved the people. And the reason I wouldn't do that is because both of these are negative emotions portrayed. Yeah. According to to looking at what I would what what I would say is Jesus is having deep seated emotions, troubled mm-hmm. emotions, perhaps mourning emotions, but is he really mourning and what is he mourning? Is yeah. he mourning the loss of Lazarus because he's about to raise him? And then my thought goes to this. I think that Jesus is moved for two and stirred up for two reasons. Number one, he's angry at death. I think he's deeply moved and angered at the the emotional trauma and pain of sin and death mm-hmm. itself. And then I think the other reason is he's angry at unbelief. He's frustrated at unbelief. He's deeply moved because he has to do something this great in order for his disciples, for Mary, for Martha, to truly, truly grasp that he is the resurrection and the life. Yeah. What um, do you think? I agree with you. Uh, I, I do think it's, it's, I don't think it's either or. I think it's both and. Um, okay. Because, and just like a Greek and Hebrew both are sometimes very um, malleable in that they have layered meanings. Um, sure. Looking at what the NET uh, translators had to say about the term, uh, they do mention that it could easily be translated. He was deeply indignant. So it a, a negative emotion, like you said. Right. Uh, but it is it indicates a strong display of emotion, whether that's positive or negative emotion, somewhat difficult to translate. Uh, it can just mean shuddered or moved with deep emotion, whether that's anger, whether that's uh, intense sadness or love, or we could maybe translate it as passion. Like there's... It could be all-encompassing. And one of the things to me that's a little bit telling is uh, everyone sees Jesus weeping and they immediately go to see how much he loved Lazarus. I don't think he was weeping. <laughs> I don't think he was weeping because of Lazarus. I think he was weeping. I'll be honest here. I think he was weeping because of Mary to be, I mean, because she came and brought this crazy emotion, Right. Whereas he had handled the same situation with Martha already, um, but now you got her and all this company of people coming with her, and they're all weeping. I think his indignation is, like you said, how much longer is death going to be a problem? Because look what it's doing to the people I love so much. You know, like it's like it's that kind of. He sees her crying. He sees her pain. He sees the pain of those that are all there. His pain comes out. 
and he right. worships, I mean, he weeps because of this intense negative emotion, whether that's strictly about, I mean, I, I think just, I think it's both and. I think there's a combination going on here. I don't think it's because, oh, the death of my friend. Because like you said, he knows what he's about to do. I think it's, it's empathy. I think it's him seeing and feeling with them their pain, their suffering, and being both indignant that it exists and and compassionate because he loves them so much. Um, right. And, and another thing that I, I'd like to, to point out here is this in, by no means undermines Jesus' deity. Um, in fact, if anything, it enhances the beauty that Jesus can have. Um, he's, he's God incarnate, um, and he can have this this powerful of emotions mm-hmm. um looking at looking at other people and and experiencing what they're experiencing and i think this is a good um this is a good role model for pastors and for leaders in the church um to to understand that empathy is a is a key needed thing um mm. in our churches we need to empathize with people. We need to feel what they're feeling. We need to have compassion and and yeah, be indignant for the evil and the sin in the world. Absolutely, be stirred up because of it, um, yeah. and and compassionate because of it. Uh, you know, so yeah. And um, again, in verse thirty-eight, then Jesus deeply moved. This, this word occurs again. So mm-hmm. you know, it's twice. John really wants to point out that Jesus is frustrated at mm-hmm. at death here. Um, all right, so go ahead and read. Um, uh, I guess thirty. Yeah, let's let's just finish it out. Go ahead and read. Actually, don't finish it out. Read the read to forty. 38 to 40. There's something I want to point out. 40. Okay. Last thing. Yeah. All right. So Jesus intensely moved again, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave and a stone had been placed across it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased replied, Lord, by this time, the body will have a bad smell because he's been buried four days. That's Jesus. a weak translation. <laughs> All right, let's stop right there okay. real quick. Um, King James says he stinketh. I love that. <laughs> he says there's an odor. But the, the point I want to make is this four days thing keeps popping up. Um, mm-hmm. And the reason is uh, scholars have identified first century Judaism, a belief that had started to become extremely popular around this time. Mm-hmm. And this was the belief. Once the dead man dies, his spirit, or whatever it is, his his being, hovers around his body for three days. Mm-hmm. And by the fourth day, it leaves because it can't get back in. So for a dead man to be really dead at this point in time, <laughs> he needed to be dead for at least Most four days. Most sincerely dead. 
Yeah, most sincerely did. If he's dead for a couple <laughs> hours, like Jairus's daughter, he was only mostly dead. Take a yeah. pill, right? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. but if he was dead for four <laughs> days in the grave, nothing would display Jesus's power more than those who connected with this idea or this belief that after four days there ain't no coming back from it, and mm. the Jewish people buried their dead quickly but four days after it was it was said and done yeah so this four day mark is what jesus is i think jesus is actually waiting for to display his full glory mm. he's gonna wait until everybody's like there ain't no way lazarus is coming back from this right he's been in the tomb for which four is, days which is kind of right? listening to the people talk like this is kind of, you can hear that type of thinking, right? Know? Because because they're, yeah, they're they're like, uh, yeah, what's he going to do at this point? There's there's nothing that can be done. <laughs> yeah, there's so nothing to be the, done. Um, it, the number four is also interesting in scripture. It, um, you know, all these numbers have meanings, and yeah. uh, four has traditionally been the number of the earth. It's the number of creation. So it's almost like at this point, Jesus is going to reverse what's happening by default on the earth. An earthly thing, he's going to take this earthly thing and reverse it. Um, right. Well, which is exactly what happened. So let's go ahead and finish out the, the um, okay. go, go to verse 44. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you that you've listened to me. I knew that you always listened to me, but I said this for the sake of the crowd standing around here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, he shouted in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The one who had died came out, his feet and hands tied up with strips of cloth and a cloth wrapped about his face. And Jesus said to them, unwrap him and let him go. <laughs> I get goosebumps when I read that. That's a great, great picture. You can imagine, you know, they're standing around the tomb and um and Jesus again he, he confronts this unbelief. Didn't I tell you <laughs> that if you believed you would see the glory of God? I'm gonna do something, right? <laughs> so so move the stone away. He cries out, Father, I you know, I I'm so glad that you hear me and notice the purpose for which he's doing this. For the people that are standing around so that they may believe this emphasis on faith, having faith, mm. believing that this is going to happen. It's going to happen. He screams out, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus comes forth, jumping out of the tomb. He's bound head to foot, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the image of him hopping <laughs> out of the tomb. And then this last statement, unbind him and let him go. Is the ultimate, I can't imagine being Lazarus, waking up in a tomb and hopping out of there. The first thing you want to happen is to be unbound, mm -hmm. and let go, set free, 
in, in this resurrection. So this is a picture, a shadow. Go ahead. Well, this to me has been like a wonderful metaphor for, um, I believe it's a good metaphor for sanctification. Yeah. Um, because with the minute we accept Jesus and we hear his voice and we come out of the grave, right? We're, we come out to walk in newness of life. You know, that whole, we, we are a new creature, you know, all of that. And it happens immediately. Justification, bam, you came out bam. of the, out of the grave, but right. you're still walking around with dead man's clothing. Like you're still walking around bound and got things on you that need to come off. And Jesus continues to work on that and says, yeah. unbind him and set him free. Um, for me, one of the things that this picture, this picture was in my life was I'd been a Christian for many, 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 many years, but I walked around with chains about me all the time because I did not believe yeah. in full uh, salvation by uh, grace through faith. Like I thought it was my own works that had to save me. And those are chains that you drag around. And at yeah. one point Jesus said, unbind him and set him free. And I guarantee you, since that has happened, freedom in Christ is worth dancing and celebrating over. <laughs> and hundred percent. And so I, I love that this, there's this progression in, in Lazarus's resurrection that he just doesn't come right out of the grave and everything's fine. There's an undoing of what they did to him to put him in that grave had to, had to occur as well. Uh, right. Good stuff. Right. I, I love this story. And something else, just an addendum to that with that sanctification. This is, this is the prequel to passion week. It's this yes. crowd that goes into Jerusalem and starts spreading the news mm -hmm. that, Jesus went to Bethany and raised a dude that had been dead for four days back to life. And the Pharisees are like plotting overtime. The Sanhedrin's plotting overtime now to uh, to see how they can kill this guy because mm -hmm. they're absolutely, you go through and you read, they're afraid of losing their power at this point because they know that Lazarus is simply a visible, living, breathing picture of the power of Jesus. Um, verses 9 in chapter 12 through 11, this is right before the triumphal entry. Yeah. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on the count of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, whom mm -hmm. he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made a plan to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. When we're raised to life, we become a picture of the power of the living God who dwells mm. in us. Very good. And we, we get to share that to everyone around us. And I, I pray, my prayer is that many of the people walk away believing in Jesus mm -hmm. when they see me raised to life. I love that. <laughs> so power of the resurrection.
picture of things to come. That's the story of Lazarus. So good. Yeah, man. I love it. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Well, good job, man. I appreciate the study. That was really good. Sure. Absolutely. So, So you you know. You're going to expound on Lazarus at our Eastertide? I'm going to. I'm going to do a lot more on the correlation of bodily resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15 oh, with good. Lazarus as a yeah. picture of it. Cool. Because um, I think that's that's important for us to see. Which, I mean, you know, you've already done the laid the groundwork with it. So <laughs> not much left for me to talk about, but we'll have fun well, anyway. I've been obsessed with resurrection you know what that's a good thing to be obsessed with i'll I'll tell you that much there's so much hope there's so much joy in it um that's right it's just fascinating uh to me amen amen well you ready to get out of here yeah let's do it hang on a second here do you have your scripts i've already set up man awesome The Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network using new media and social networking to go into all the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. Check out um, us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher. Be sure to rate us because that helps us reach a larger audience. There are several ways you can contact us and leave us feedback. Send us email to info at theonotspodcast.com or call us on our voicemail line at 972-885-7270. Find us on Instagram using at Theonautical. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Theonauts. And if you like us and want even more Theonauts, drop us a buck or two at patreon.com slash Theonauts. Your patronage helps us in our expenses like hosting fees and equipment cost. And don't forget to tune in again and explore the reaches of God's word with us. Vast reaches of God's word with us. All right, well, thank Jeremiah. You, David. Thanks for being here, brother. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972 972- Eight eight five seven two seven zero. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission. This is your Great Commission transmission at GCTNetwork.com.